Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. With Tony Maradero. 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lemaire, back to Lafleur. Oh! The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. There is a Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs! He found the dogs! And all together they worked a young team to the top. And now a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground. Your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Marinero, the sick podcast on this Monday, October 16th. It is two minutes past 10 o'clock Eastern. And the sick podcast brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full service logistic provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. Hello to Mike Cinquino, Sean Gerard, and David Grassi. Also brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. The Sick Podcast is also brought to you in part by La Bitta TV, offering quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TV, embrace your true nature. A special hello goes out to Aldo Geloso and my buddy Ted. And also brought to you in part by Playground. Halloween's coming up, and Playground has plenty of treats for its members. Earn entry daily starting Monday, October 23rd, then return Sunday, October 29th, for your chance to win a share of 22000 in cash and free play. Draws will be held every 30 minutes from 12.30 to 9 p.m. That is scary good. Visit playground.ca for details. I send my regards to Danny with the yellow tie. Terrible news. Devastating news for the Montreal Canadiens earlier this morning. As a matter of fact, they had an inkling about it on Saturday night, you would think, because Kirby Doc was in pain. And a player knows when he's hurt. A player knows when he's hurt badly. At one point, if you think you can't walk anymore, it's not good. And it isn't good. The Montreal Canadiens made it official earlier this morning when they told members of the media that Kirby Doc had sustained a significant knee injury and was going to be out long-term. They still haven't told us what is exactly wrong with the knee and what is the injury. But earlier this afternoon, and we'll bring up the tweet, Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca a regular collaborator here on the Sick Podcast, tweeting out, initial word I'm receiving on Canadian's Kirby Doc is he has a torn ACL and torn MCL in his knee. There are more tests being done, and we'll wait for Habs to officially confirm once they're, uh, they've received all the info 
but this puts dock season at risk if it ends up being the case. This was earlier this afternoon at 4.51 p.m. At the time, it had 626,000 views. I wonder how many views it has now. Eric probably knows. We'll bring him up. Hi, Eric. I have no idea, honestly. But it doesn't get I just worse. Realized, I just realized on the timestamp that it says uh, the tweet was sent from Earth, as if it was coming from another planet. Um, I'm sure Canadians fans wish it did come from another planet because it's uh, otherworldly news. It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty bad news. All right, so that uh, I don't know why I put the amount of views that you had, but anyway, it's got 695,000 views now. Uh, if you wanted to know, there you have it. All right, okay. Um, I know Marty St. Louis tried to, uh, you know, he's the leader of this group, right? He's 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 not he doesn't want any kind of panic to set in. He wants to let everyone know that you know this is injuries. It happens. It's the National Hockey League. No one's going to feel sorry for ourselves, uh, for us. So we can't feel sorry for ourselves. And then he talked about the amount of depth on this team, and he basically said it's Alex Newhook who's going to step into that spot at center. Uh, it was a hit by Jared Tenorti, of course, on Saturday night, and uh, Doc had played less than five minutes and wasn't back. And uh, here you have it. So, wow, what can uh, what can you tell me? Well, the first thing I could say is that I'm sorry for the quality of the video that you're seeing on my side of it because you look crystal clear and I look pretty fuzzy. We got to uh, get you one of my cameras. Yeah, I need I need one of those elite, sick podcast cameras because um, the one that comes with my laptop is not very good. Okay. Um, look, I, I, you know, I'm using a Sony DSLR camera, by the way. But anyway, that's uh, okay. we'll talk about that off. I hope they're paying you for that. Uh, that plug. Who, who's that? Sony should, should give you should pony up for that little Tony plug. My friend used to work there for a long time, so it's the least I can do for him. Go ahead. No, listen. Like, first of all, if there's Canadians fans out there blaming Jared Tenorti for this, I mean, like, get over yourselves, seriously. Like, clearly, no intent of of causing whatever happened on the play. It's it's terrible luck. It's it's you know, I was talking with Caden Primo today, who was like. It's such a fluky, weird way to get injured, which is pretty. Uh, Pardon me. Yeah, which which is pretty similar to what we've seen with the Canadians for the last couple of years. Like you know, you see on the initial hit that as Tenorti makes contact with Doc, like he he bumps knees with him, left knee with you know he hits Doc's left knee, and there's no damage done there. But as Doc is going into the bench, his leg gets twisted up with Tenorti, who's finishing the upper body, and it, it's it's just terrible luck for a player who's been through yeah. too much of it so far throughout his career and um terrible luck for the canadians and i i feel bad for doc i mean i don't know you know officially where this is going to go and, and what the end result is going to be uh, you obviously put out what i tweeted there and and you know that's that's what i've heard and i'm hearing the same thing eric i'm hearing the same thing there's there's still obviously running tests uh, to to get things confirmed and Sometimes when when injuries happen and you run multiple tests over multiple days, you get different results. So, you know, if you're hanging on to any sort of faint hope that it's better than what's being initially reported, you know, so am I because I feel for the player. Like it's 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 really brutal, especially given where he's at in his development. Because I think it would be an understatement to say he was ready to take the next step. You know, like mm-hmm. he, he really. The way he has looked since the beginning of camp has been tremendous. And, you know, the last thing to come, the final step in, in a player's development before they're a finished product is is gaining consistency. And when I asked Marty St. Louis 
you know, where he felt that Kirby was taking a step this year and what, what it looked like it was projecting to, that was his answer. It was, you know, it, it just felt like every night we were leaving the rink saying he's playing so well. And I know it's a small sample, but that consistency was starting to develop. And that's, it's just such a major blow. All right. Um, Joachim Forte says, uh, Tony doesn't take calls anymore. No, Tony does take calls. He takes calls, especially after every game. And sometimes on even podcasts that uh, there aren't games, but Tony takes calls and he entertains them at one 585 1-888-585-7425. So the, the phones. I hope we get a caller. The lines are open all the time. If people want to call, I will not resu- uh, refuse a call. I never should I tell have... em- should I tell Emily to call? Uh, no, that's that's okay. She's a, she's a big fan of the show. Ah, uh, well, then she can call. I I never have re- refused a call, and uh, and I never will. Okay, so now uh, and tonight would be a great night to go to the fans. As a matter of fact, Eric, because I know a lot of them are down. They're devastated. They're disappointed. Because let's face it. Uh, with all due respect to everyone that has to step up, this is like you just said, he, this is a big piece of the puzzle. You know, in the top three forwards on this team that most have an impact on the game, he's one of those three. Yeah, and he was emerging as possibly a guy who could be number one. I'm not saying that he's vaulted over Suzuki and Caulfield because I think it would have taken a massive leap for him to do that, but it's not as if he wasn't showing the potential that he could be right on the level, you know, and he showed parts of it last year through you know and he had missed 24 games due to injury and probably would have put up even better totals than he did he had previously set a career high in 70 games and he ended up surpassing it in 45 with the canadians last year and outside of the points and the production you just watch the way he plays at all ends of the ice you know the, the canadians don't have another player like him the way he picks pucks off, the way he's able to steal them back, the way he has become such an annoying player to play against and his physical engagement, his compete level, all the things that they questioned in Chicago as to whether or not they would come to fruition for the player. There was so much evidence that it was it was coming together for him. And, you know, there's going to be a ripple effect and not just in that you're losing the player and he's not around. He's one of a couple that makes players around him better. And I think we've seen that so far. Like I had a conversation with Uri Slavkovsky today and I said, you know, I'm sure you've noticed like Newhook has pretty good details in this game. The way he tracks back on the puck, the way he's able to, to make things happen. He said, yeah, but he's since he's been on my line, Kirby's been doing all the heavy lifting. So I can't say, I can't say, you know, I'm sure he has it and I know he has it, but the two of us have just benefited so much from playing with Kirby is what he was trying to say. And uh, it's true. I mean, the guy was absolutely controlling the middle ice. I I think Alex Newhook can do that with his speed. I think he can. And I think the details that he developed in Colorado when he was playing in a secondary role there and was forced to develop those details in order to stay in that type of role instead of in a scorer's role are going to help him tremendously as he tries to do exactly what Doc did a year ago. And uh, he's going to be put to the test immediately. All eyes are going to be on him tomorrow. In case you're just joining us, uh, the Montreal Canadiens uh, let members of the media know earlier this morning that Kirby Doc had sustained a, sustained a significant knee injury and was going to be out long term. And about uh, just under six hours ago, Eric tweeted that um, uh, based on his information, it's a torn ACL and torn MCL. And the Doc season is likely done. I can tell you that I can confirm Eric's information. 
and tell you that Doc's season is over. Kirby Doc's season is over. Now, once again, it's unofficial because the Canadians have not yet confirmed it. Uh, but I think we're both pretty comfortable with the information that we have that his season is over. So we'll discuss it. Eric, I've said this on a couple of occasions now. In the last week, there are members of that Montreal Canadian staff. Um, and when I talk staff, I talk management team slash coaching staff that that believe that the player with the highest ceiling on the team, in the ranks, prospects included, is Kirby Doc. His stats were pretty amazing, especially in um, game one of the season and a losing effort versus Toronto. He was on the ice for three goals, four. Uh, He wasn't on the ice for the three goals against. He was controlling the play. He was controlling the puck. He was doing a lot of heavy lifting like you just talked about. And Eric, if this player didn't have bad luck, this player wouldn't have any luck at all. This player does not play complete seasons go back to this player in the whl go back to this player in the nhl this player once again if he didn't have bad luck wouldn't have any luck at all eric yeah but i like i don't believe in this notion that like a player is injury plagued and will be bound to be so for the entirety of his career like there was a three-year run where andre markov you know, tore ACLs in his knee and ripped his, and ripped his Achilles in between. And everyone said that was it. And I think if you look at a few seasons after that in a row con- concurrently that he didn't suffer any injuries at all. Yeah. And that was later in his career when it would have done the type of damage that you would think would lead to more. So, you know, I'm and, not, and, in, I, and I'm not going there, Eric. I yeah, no, 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 I know, but prone. I just said he's unlucky. No, no, you're, you're yeah. not, but a lot of people will, right? Yeah, like, of course. Yeah. It's rare to see a player suffer that type of fate throughout the entirety of their career. I can think of one who played for the Canadians, who's probably a friend of yours. And I, I like the guy a lot too, uh, is Benoit Brunet. Like I just, this guy had terrible luck and, yeah. and seemingly got hurt every year one way or another. Um, and even after his career, I remember seeing him in a cast because he had broken his leg or something, or I can't remember if it was his arm or his leg, but one way or the other, it made me think, boy, like this guy has, has been through enough for, for five people's lifetimes. And look, I hope whatever it is with Kirby and I, I hear what you're saying and, uh-huh. you know, until the Canadians come out and, and say, you know, they they were waiting on certain imaging and, and doing secondary tests until, and, and maybe even tertiary tests like I, I don't know how many tests they're doing but they're they want to make sure that they have all the proper information before going forward but whatever it ends up being for him i hope it's the last of it because he you know as we've talked about that the yeah. potential is huge and i think people out there should be very careful about saying stuff like well if this is the case you know he'll never be the same there's there are countless hockey players who have suffered these injuries and come back and you know come back strong so you know and and i'm looking at the canadians in general and last year and how many guys were in knee braces i mean this is this is the type of damage that gets done playing a sport like this and i i I don't i don't have the stats to prove it eric so i'm not going to give you a percentage number but i'll tell you that you know there's there's a vast majority of players that play in the national hockey league that at some point in time in their career whether it be junior hockey american hockey league or the national hockey league suffered a very significant injury. Oh, I mean, that's, that's torn those precise ligaments and have had to, you know, come back from it. And 
it's a very difficult rehab if it is the case. It's 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 a long rehab because there's just until you build up the appropriate strength to the injured area or the or the um, surgically repaired area, if that's what if the road could, leads that way. Yeah. Um, you just you can't force it. There's there's no forcing it. So and I agree but, with you on this. There's there's not a bad bone in Jared Tenorti's body. And I know that he's a kind of guy who can defend his teammates and drop the gloves and punch. Yeah, he did nothing wrong. Then, but he, that was that's that's a contact play. That's that's it's hockey. That's if he basically lets, what it is. I mean, if if he lets Kirby go by him in that situation, he's not doing his job. Uh, uh, and it's and, not like it was late or it was it was a, it was a complete and it was a hockey play. Like and, it was and nothing. He, and here's a guy who cannot afford to have too many bad games in the National Hockey League because it's taken a while for him to establish himself. And this could very well be his last chance with the Chicago Blackhawks. And no, I, you know, I, I'm convinced that that was just it's it's a it's the wrong place at the wrong time. You know, he just that was my that was my lead today, Tony. Like wrong place, wrong time, and just yeah. terribly misfortunate because like it's not he's not even hurt on the initial contact. He's hurt. Yeah. As he's being pushed into the bench and his leg gets tangled, like it's it's so unlucky. I, I and and Kirby even played into going into the bench because he didn't want to get smacked into the into the rounded glass. Like yeah. he yeah. wasn't necessarily exactly aware of where he was, but knew that he could be close and in a much more dangerous situation. And so you know, it's not like Kirby Doc isn't strong enough to, to hold himself up in that situation, but. You don't want to get ridden into. I, I think we all know what can happen, and and we all remember what happened when you hit that type of area. It, it can be very dangerous, even with the rounded glass now that's come into play since we saw what happened to Max Pacioretty. So, anyways, well, I, I I'm sure you agree with me. Like, you got to feel for this guy. It's there's there's no other way around. I'm sure his teammates feel awful, yeah. and I know speaking to them, they do, and it's. Uh, the Canadians are going to have to move on and and prove that the depth that they've been talking about can yeah. help them persevere in this situation. Now, I was thinking about this, okay? Mm-hmm. As devastating as this injury is for them, and it's devastating, if they lose, let's just say, and I'd love to have this discussion with you, and it's it's not to diminish Doc's talent or value whatsoever. It's It's just from a depth perspective that we're talking right now if they lose mike matheson this is harder to recover from i think if they lose cole caulfield this is harder to recover from now this is very hard to recover from because once again out of the three four out of all the forwards he's in the top three of having an impact we discussed that but it just makes the acquisition of alex newhook so much more important to this team that and the re-signing of Sean Monaghan, right? Like I would yeah. have told you before we went into the summer that I didn't really see it as a high likelihood that the Canadians would go down that road again, given everything that Monaghan had been through. You know, but they said to themselves, he wants to be back. He's only 28 years old, and he's going to make a full recovery after the surgery that he had to fix his groin issue. And, uh, you know, you look at the the long list of injuries and say maybe it's not a, wor- a risk worth taking, but it sure looks like it's paying off right now. And especially in the early season with the way Monaghan has played, he looks rejuvenated. He was unbelievable against the Blackhawks. If it wasn't for Harvey Pinard, he, w- he would probably wear the label of being the best player in that game. Uh, and yeah, like you don't diminish the loss of Doc. 
it makes a huge difference for Slavkovsky. It makes a huge difference for the power play. It makes a huge difference for Nick Suzuki in terms of the support he has behind him in the lineup and up the middle of the ice. But where there's loss, there's also gains and opportunities. And Alex Newhook is staring at a really, really good opportunity because this was a prove-it year for Newhook no matter what. But if he really wants to prove how effective and how much of a difference maker he can be, there's no better opportunity to do that than in the middle of the ice. And it's he's going to get gonna that be, look right away. It's going to be tough, though, for him to do better at that position with Doc Hurt than it would have been for him to continue playing on the wing with Doc and Slavkovsky. Yes, but he just has to do the best that he can do. And if he does the best that he can do, he can be a difference maker. I think we can all see what the skill level is of this player, what the hockey sense is of this player, and we're seeing that revealed more and more as the games go on. As I mentioned, the skill is is eye-popping. The speed is eye-popping. That's the stuff that you immediately gravitate towards. But if you've been wa- I've been watching him at every practice and watching him since the beginning of training camp and the details that are in his game, like I said, that he developed in Colorado because he had to. Because if he didn't develop those details, you're not going to play in a secondary role in the NHL when there's no room for you in the top two lines. And uh, it forced him to, to do things. And, and the same thing happened with Doc in Chicago. Because Doc got some opportunities to play with Kane and Taves, but when he wasn't kind of up to the challenge, he had to play lower down, and he had to develop certain details. And the things that we're talking about now in his absence is less so the production that we thought he was capable of this year, but the amount he was stealing pucks and turning pucks over and doing all those little things. Where do you think he learned that? And, And Alex Newhook went through a very similar process in Colorado. Both guys are Hockey Canada guys. They know the handbook uh, in terms of how to play on the ice. And I just think Newhook is, is of course, upset that the Canadians have lost Doc. But he is also being put in a position right now where he can take the ball and run with it. And like Doc, has the contract already settled and doesn't have to worry about that. It's not at a level where if he doesn't blow it out of the water, people are going to be going crazy. He's not getting like overpaid. Uh, for what he could potentially provide as a guy who's already top 30 points in two seasons playing in a secondary role. I think he can take the ball and run with it. Can he be Kirby Doc? No, they're different players. But he could be the best version of himself, and I think the best version of himself could be a very good player. Speaking of opportunity, what an unbelievable opportunity has presented itself for Raphael RV-Pinard. Earlier today, Marty St. Louis was asked, who's going to play with who? And he said, well, you know what? I'll uh, I'll think about that tonight, and we'll get to it tomorrow. Well, uh, the coach had already told Rafael Arvey Pinard that he was going to be playing with Caulfield and Suzuki, and Rafael Arvey. I Pinard, missed that. Uh, I, I missed that in the room today. I, if that was said, that's that's interesting because I I had said myself. I I put out a tweet uh, in the afternoon saying I don't know if Marty Saint Louis is immediately going to go to this, but to me it makes a lot of sense to put Pinard with Caulfield and Suzuki and have Anderson play with Newark and Slavkovsky. So, All right. Okay. So it's, you know, it's a great, you talked about great opportunity for Alex Newark. It's a great opportunity for Raphael RV Pinard. We're going to touch on, we're going to talk about that in just a couple of minutes here, but before we do, uh, when Marty St. Louis talked today, I got ahead of, I, I got a hold of master control and I said, guys, there's three clips. I really want uh, docs impact docs injury and new hooks adapting without doc. Let's hear from uh, from Marty St. Louis. 
you describe the impact that Kirby has had on your team since he's been here? Um, how can I describe it? I mean, it's... He does a lot. Like, he brings a... He competes, you know, his compete level. He brings a physical aspect to the game, not in, in, into, like, running around and hitting guys, but into winning a lot of pucks back. You know, he's a guy that wins a lot of pucks, like, in, in, in battles and and steals pucks. Uh, and obviously, you know, great in transition. He possesses. Uh, he's got a very elite brain. Uh, you know, he can make plays. And, uh, you know, he's, he's shown that he can do do a lot on the ice, you know, and obviously his size. And, uh, oh, listen, he's he's a big-time player for us, and, you know, he's going to be missed. But, you know, the, the league doesn't care. There's one team that really cares that Kirby's hurt, you know. The rest of the league doesn't care, and the league keeps going. So for us, we got to keep going. It's not everything you saw from him in training camp. And just... All right, uh, the league doesn't care. Uh, there's only one team that cares. It's us, and we got to keep going. I love that clip from Marty, and I especially love the fact that when you ask the question, it's a great question, Eric. Uh, and I'm not just telling you that because if it wasn't a great question, a great answer, it wouldn't be one of the three clips that I had cut up. Um, he thought about it. When you're thinking about it, it's because the question is deep. He thought about it, and he gave you a real good, honest answer. You know what's funny? Like, I, I, I'm not blaming the fans for this. I think most of the time they don't know why a question is asked in a given moment. And I could tell you right now, they didn't ask that question looking for a real deep, insightful answer from Marty, or, nor did I think, you know, was, I asked that question because I was going to need a quote from Marty in my story about what Doc brings to the lineup. You know, there's, there's reasons we ask certain questions. I think a lot of times people think that after a game or this, they, they want us to take the coach to task for this decision or that uh, and can't understand why nobody asks about this or that. But at the end of the day, uh, as the, you know, in the writers in the room, and we're not all writers asking the questions, sometimes we're asking them just because we need a specific quote to fill into or to feed into or even fight against the narrative that we're building for the night so or the day. So Eric, I'm, that's a very good explanation, but there's also yeah. another little thing you did for you. Not everyone has the courage to ask the tough questions. I know you, Kai. You said you know some fans wonder yeah. why we don't well, ask, we don't take the coach to task because there's there, because there's you know there's the media, and take a look at all the sports teams that they cover in the city, and there's members of the media who work for the fans, and they ask the questions that the fans want, and uh, and there are others who are very very conservative. And there are others who, quote, unquote, basically work for the teams. Without working for them, they do because they figure if they suck up, you know what, I'm going to go far with it. And- I'll tell you so. I'll tell you a little story. So I, you know, I don't think you'll hear me in a press conference with the cameras rolling and everything like that go after the coach for a given decision he makes in the moment of a game. I've definitely asked some hard questions. I've been there for 16 years. Um, when I interviewed Marty St. Louis a week ago, not, you know, not everything is going to make the written version, but I had a personal question that I, I had a question that I personally wanted to ask him about his mm-hmm. tactic that he employs. So I said, Marty, I, I noticed that you always designate Cole Caulfield to the box when you take a too many men penalty and he's one of the players on the ice and you have to choose somebody who mm-hmm. has to go. I know and why. I, 
and I assume the thinking obviously is that if you get a, an offensive chance coming out of the box, whose stick would you rather it be off than Cole Caulfield's? Um, but I'm wondering if you like have evaluated the percentages of how often a player gets a breakaway or a chance coming out of the box versus how often a penalty gets negated uh, or a power play gets negated by a, another penalty. And then all of a sudden you're at four on four and you're missing Cole Caulfield. Good one. That's good. Very, very good. That's a hard question. Yes. Uh, it's not, uh, it's asked respectfully, but it's a hard question. And he said, you know, I think, you know, he gave me a really good answer and I, I didn't put this in the interview in the written interview because it was mm-hmm. kind of out of context with what we were talking about in the general conversation. But his answer was, look, I have to choose somebody who's on the ice. I'm not taking Susie because he kills penalties. Uh, chances are the other guy is killing penalties. I'm not taking a defenseman off because if we lose another one, if we take a penalty, then we're really shorthanded. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like there is the potential that I'm losing Cole at four on four if we get into that spot and it, it I do have to think about it. So like there's ways to ask questions and, yeah. and I think people who do it in such a pointed manner in a press conference type setting are usually trying to make that moment more about themselves than they are getting the answer that everybody wants to know. So I, I think there's a way to do things. And the main job as a reporter here, get the answer that best enables you to tell the story the right way and like get, make sure you get an answer. Like I, it's my goal to ask Marty St. Louis questions that the answer will not be, I don't know. And Marty, to his credit, I love that he says, I don't know when he actually doesn't know it's better than coming up with some bullshit. Like, but it's my goal when I ask him a question any given day. And I don't ask, I don't always ask great ones. It's we all have our days, but it's my goal that his answer won't be, I don't know. So I, I don't think I need to shoot bullets at him to, to get something good out of him, which I think has been proven over time. He gives great answers when you ask yeah. him a thoughtful question and couch it properly. Well put. Let's hear again from Marty St. Louis. C'est avec la profondeur qu'on avait au sang, je pense, de donner un petit peu moins de responsabilité que si je joue à l'aile. Mais là, il falloir, faut que tu joues la main qui est brassée. Puis c'est ça qu'on est brassé présentement. Puis il va jouer au centre. C'est pas comme s'il n'a jamais joué au centre. C'est pas quelque chose qui m'inquiète beaucoup, mais c'est de. Quand tu joues à cette position-là, il faut que tu comprennes les responsabilités. Dans la main que tu brasses, est-ce que tu remontes Raphaël, euh, justement, peut-être avec New York et, euh, et Slavkovski? Euh, je ne sais pas encore, on va voir ça demain. Là. Ça pourrait impliquer un rappel de Joël Armia aussi, il va que les 12 que tu as euh, présentement. Présentement, il va que les 12. Bonjour. Actuellement, la totalité de tes attaquants ont démontré des choses intéressantes offensivement dans le contexte où tu perds un gars comme Jordi Dac à quel point c'est rassurant de voir que tous tes gars semblent performer offensivement jusqu'ici. Oui, je pense qu'on a de la bonne profondeur. Euh, c'est pas, c'est pas un joueur qui fait, qui fait notre équipe. Je pense que c'est notre game collective. Euh, puis la profondeur qu'on a avec notre game collective. Mais ça peut nous aider à, à passer à travers des moments comme ça. T'sais. Pour moi, c'est le next man up. Puis euh, 
la force du groupe. There you have it. Marty St. Louis says, um, right off the bat, I wanted to put Alex Newhook on the wing to alleviate him from that pressure of playing center and those responsibilities that come with it. He said, but you know what? This is where we need him now because the centerman has gone down. It's not like he's never played the position before. He has, and he knows how to play it. So this is what we're going to do with him. Uh, and then he talked about the fact that, uh, you know, we got depth. We got depth at this position. Newhook's one of those guys. And then he said, um, you know, it's this is next man up. And uh, we're, we're going to try and make up for Kirby's absence by everyone giving a little bit more and everyone stepping up and the collective of the group instead of putting it on one guy. I have a question for you. Yeah. You watched Alex Newhook play throughout camp, all the preseason games? Yeah. Where did he look best? Center. With who? With Slavkowski and RHP. With no, Josh it's Slavkowski and Josh Anderson. With Josh Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if RH, and that was my, that you know, that's why I tweeted out today. Like, I don't know if Marty's going to go there right away, but I could, I think it would make a lot of sense that RHP yeah. play with Caulfield and Suzuki because I think he can actually be a complimentary player in that role. And, uh, Anderson with Slavkovsky and Newhook because I'll tell you out of all the combinations we saw for any players throughout training camp and preseason the one that really looked the very best was Newhook at center and Anderson on his wing yeah and I I, I really I will not be surprised if that ends up being the case tomorrow. Now, especially if, if there was clips coming out of the room today. And, and again, I didn't speak to Harvey Pinard. I was speaking to Matheson. I was speaking to Slavkovsky. I was speaking to Primo. I was speaking to um, whoever else was in the room that wasn't Harvey Pinard for whatever reason. I just missed him yeah. because I was speaking to somebody else. So if he said that he's playing with Caulfield and Suzuki, it kind of confirms I didn't think that Marty was going to necessarily go there right away because I wasn't sure he was willing to undo a couple of lines to make new yeah. ones. Yeah. But it makes a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. I, I You know what? Um, I just hope a lot of people don't put a lot of pressure on RHP. I don't think they will because the context is that this is a rebuilding team. Uh, if they were rebuilding before this season, imagine now with two games in with Kirby Doc out, obviously – uh, their chances of making the playoffs before if you, you know, um, were probably, according to most, uh, not very good. Imagine now. Um, I don't think that RHP is a full-time, long-term, first-line player. But all depending on the responsibilities that you're going to give him, he's going to bring energy for sure. I know Max LaPierre was, <laughs> was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he wanted RHP on that line because... He wanted RHP to be what Alex Burroughs was for the Sedins. Listen, I okay, there, there, there you go. Good, very good example right there. Did anybody at any point in time think that Chris Kunitz was going to be an ideal full-time first-line player next to Sidney Crosby? Or Pascal Dupuis. Or Pascal Dupuis? But like Kunitz had a long run next to Crosby. Uh, and I'm not comparing Nick Suzuki to Crosby. Like, let's make that clear. Of course, but, it's the whole chair thing, right? Is that there's a chair for everyone. And depending on which chair you're going to have, like if you look at RHP and now you say it's a first line chair, he's going to look at a place. If you look at it and say it's a chair, 
that on that line, we need this person to go into the corners, to muck out the puck, to go to the front of the net, to crash, to bang, to create energy and enthusiasm, to play a responsible game, then he looks suitable for that chair. Not only that, I think he can be a really good fit in that chair, and I'll tell you why. The guy has scored at every single level he has played at, and the minute he got that opportunity last year, even without Cole Caulfield on that line, he scored a lot, and he did not look out of place. Is it the chair that you would assume he would take as a seventh-round pick who was passed over twice in the draft before going? No. But, like, there are many players before him, and if Max LaPierre brought up Alex Burroughs, that's a real good example. And and Arpin Basu, who you know I have a ton of respect for, had a really good kind of take on this in terms of who – who is a good complementary player versus a, a main factor of a line. Raphael Harvey Pinard is the prototypical example of what makes a good complementary player that he's okay with the fact that Suzuki and Caulfield are going to play pitch and catch with the puck for most of the night. And he'll be there with his stick on the ice, gaining the rewards of just being able to be with them. He will do a great job of staying out of the way of that chemistry, but adding dynamics to the line that those two guys can't necessarily get to. Uh, an echo here? Uh, I, I'm not so sure if we do, but anyway, we'll work through it. Um, Marty St. Louis saying, no, you only army is not going to be called up. We're going to stick with the 12 that we have. So you would think what it's shaping up to be is Suzuki with RHP on his right. Caulfield on his left. Newhook with Slavkovsky on, on his right. Anderson on the left. Monaghan with Gallagher on his right. Pearson on his left. Evans with Yelonen on his right. And Pizzetta on his left. Yep. And look, the Canadians are in town. Like... Until they hit the road, there's no urgency to have a 13th forward here. Mm -hmm. um, if they want to have another option, you know, may maybe they'll call one up for tomorrow if they don't feel like playing Pizzetta. I think Minnesota plays a heavy kind of slow physical game. And I think Pizzetta actually is a good fit. It's, this is a good opportunity for him to get in and get in early. And he, you know, I think he deserves it. He works so hard every single day. And that wasn't something that they could do with him last year. And the rust was apparent after he sat for so many games and then finally came in. Um, he had a good camp. Uh, people don't want to talk about it. They, they they will never give him credit for being an NHL player. A lot of people, some people at least appreciate what he does. I think that it's a perfect game to kind of get him in. And therefore, there would be no urgency to have somebody else coming up from Laval. They, they could make that call up late in the day if something happens and somebody gets sick or hurt at the morning skate. And then if they need a different look come Saturday, which is the next time they play, I think, then they'll make that decision then. And I know it's very easy to say, okay, it'll be Armia. I don't know that that will necessarily be the case. I Josh Ottawa we'll has been great. Yeah, he's been great. I, I don't know if they're in a rush to get him up. Like they're, he's doing exactly what they want him to do down there and playing big minutes. And, yeah. and maybe they don't want to halt the momentum of that. Whatever the decision is, and if it is Armia, that would totally be understandable. But if it's not, that would also totally be understandable. Meanwhile, we talk about bad luck and all this stuff. Emil, Emil Heineman and David Reinbacher. 
yeah, like uh, Emil Heineman crashes into an official and suffers a concussion. I mean, that is the shittiest luck imaginable and like just more of the stuff of the last two years that, that we've seen with the Canadians. But uh, yeah, he's what 21. I, what I find, Eric, what I find crazy with the Canadians is not the injuries because every team has them. Obviously, the Canadians had more than everybody else in the last two years. But a lot of the big ones seem to happen in Montreal. I don't know. You're testing my memory you know, on that one. I, 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 think that arena, I think that arena, <laughs> I think that arena is cursed. And by the way, David Reimbacher, I think we have, uh, I think we have some, uh, we have a footage of it. Do we? Let's bring it up. Also suffered an injury. It appears that the uh, results of the uh, of the scan have come back negative, so it doesn't look like it's a long term injury. Uh, I thought we could have brought it up, but I don't think we can. Look, just no, on that, yet. just on yeah. that front, Tony. Like we're yeah. gonna see what the the actual story is with Ryan Backer. I expect we'll get an actual official update at some point soon. I I think there is some optimism in his case, but he is going to see somebody else before they have a conclusive kind of diagnosis on what the situation is there. So let's see what what comes out. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Sammy, you give me word when we have actual footage of Reinbacker going into the board. Sammy tells me in a couple of minutes. All right. Yeah, it was good. a pretty innocuous play. It, it looked, you know, it was pretty pretty unfortunate it didn't didn't look too crazy or too too severe but uh what would you hopefully the result is it's not too severe so what would you say and i know you're a pretty glass half full kind of guy right what would you say to somebody who says all right okay here we go again uh we're gonna have to see who we're gonna draft this year because the canadians now because of this are gonna finish bottom five what would you say i i mean i would say that's logical whether or not I would agree is a different situation because I'm not the kind of guy who starts projecting deep into the future when we're three games into the season. Like they did acquire, you know, you mentioned it yourself. Like if they had to suffer an injury at a specific position, Mm -hmm. maybe center is the one where they might be able to overcome it. They're obviously not able to replace Doc because he's he's just the type of player that they don't have uh, up the middle but I'm I'm not sitting here and saying like, well, he's gone and they're guaranteed going to, you know, finish bottom five in the league. I think yeah. you could very, make a very logical argument that that'll end up being the case because uh, it's not as if they'll I, – I can make one confident prediction. They're not going to skate through the next 79 games without suffering any more injuries. What the hell was that? Is that the mouse? Is he back? You know what? I, I heard something and I thought it was mouse. <laughs> I jumped up in the air like what the it's <laughs> oh, good. Um yeah. you know what you need I need a, I need Sammy, you need that. You know you know that famous clip of the guy laughing like the yeah, it's a yeah, European yeah. show. Oh, yeah. that's right, yeah, Sammy, yeah. You, you need you need that on like auto like call up as soon as something like what just happened happens to Tony. Yeah, like, you, you, you know what we're gonna do? You know, we're gonna put the uh, the wall on fire this way if there is a mouse down here. That the mouse is going to get scared a little bit. Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to set the 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 wall on fire. You want to see Eric? Uh, there we uh, go. Tony. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tony, get your spray bottle. You're on fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. We're going to set everything on fire. That's what we're going to do, Eric. There we go. All right. Okay. Are we taking calls? Is anyone there's, calling? There's smoke. There's smoke everywhere. By the Where way, the Who, watch, watch the fire detector go off now. Uh, we have uh, we have David Reinbacher. Let's get to it right now. 
Boom, right there. Obviously went into the boards a very bad way. Awkward, for sure. Yeah, awkward for sure. But that's not like a crazy hit where like automatically you would assume somebody gets hurt. No. Another innocuous, strange kind of play. That's hockey. So what do you think about um, Josh Anderson being demoted in all this? Uh, is it a demotion? Demoted? Or, or is it a demotion? No. Uh, that he's no longer playing with Suzuki and Caulfield, or no. is it Marty St. Louis saying, I'm going to go back to something that, like you just talked about, I had in camp, and it worked in camp? It's not a demotion. I'm going to say something else right now, and it's, you know, uh, people want to talk about my optimism and this and that. Josh Anderson has been the best member of his line so far. That's just a fact. Like, we're only two games in, and believe me, I, Cole Caulfield has two goals in two games, and Nick Suzuki, you know, has put up some points and made an unbelievable block to seal the win, and and has contributed. But Josh Anderson, to me, has mm-hmm. been the best player on his line through the first two games. Now there's there's eighty to go, you know, like so. Let's see what else is coming here and let's see what those guys do because I have a feeling their level is about to go up significantly, especially with Doc out and knowing that they need to step up. Is this a demotion for Anderson? No, it's balancing out the lineup and going with chemistry that has already been established and putting players in the right slots. And you know, Harvey Pinard at some point or another was going to get a crack on that line. So long as the Canadians remain Mm -hmm. who they are. What better time to give it to him if that's where he ends up tomorrow night after the game he played on Saturday? Like the confidence is rising. So anybody who looks at it as oh they're bumping Anderson, I mean that's just inaccurate. It's just not. It's just has got nothing to do with anything. I hear you. Um, you, do you disagree? Do you disagree? By the way, that no, that no, I, Anderson I, I has, has not. He's been the best player on that line through the first well, two games. Well, uh, his play has obviously dropped from what we saw in preseason. In preseason, he was unbelievable. I thought he was the Canadiens' best player in preseason, so he's taken it down a notch. Yeah, uh, Suzuki and Caulfield haven't been overly great, with the exception, of course, of Caulfield scoring that Stefan Richer like goal that I like that was to call a sick it. Sick goal. Sick, uh, goal. sick move. They could play uh, so much better. Soft knowing what hands. those guys can do, like they yeah. can play so much better, and they will. Yeah, They're yeah. Going to. So, um, no, but uh, what are you hearing on Dvorak? What's the timeline? It's it's not complicated. You know, like he's been practicing every single day. He looks good. They wanted to be careful with him. You know, his doctors wanted to be careful with him. They don't want him in a situation where he comes back and is not at 100%. He was placed on long-term IR on October 9th, and the rule of long-term IR is very simple. It's 10 games and 24 days. He will actually hit 24 days before the Canadians play 10 games. So it's going to be 26, 27 days before he's back in the lineup. But I'm fairly confident considering that he's had no setbacks and has been on the ice every day for practice and is participating as hard as he is, even in a non-contact jersey, that when that time comes and he's eligible to to play in St. Louis, uh, which is November 4th, he'll be in the lineup. So I'm going to tell you this, Eric. I'm going to pay real special attention to the next four weeks or so. Why? Because the schedule 
over the next four weeks, and I understand that Canadians are no powerhouse by any means, okay? But uh, look, they're hosting Minnesota tomorrow. They're hosting Washington on Saturday. They're going to be in Buffalo on Monday. That's not, you know, hosting Jersey next week, Tuesday. New Jersey is pretty good. Hosting Columbus a couple of days after that. Hosting Winnipeg a couple of days after that. A couple of days after that, they're in Vegas. Yeah, that's not going to be an easy one, obviously, versus Vegas. And then they're going to be in Arizona, in St. Louis. Um, If they don't have success in the next four weeks, I think that could be telling because the Canadians traditionally get out of the gates pretty good, pretty strong. Uh, They usually have a better first half of the season, or so it seems. I don't even know. Uh, But they're the type of team that, you know, as the season, you know, they can end up breaking down. Or then last couple of years, of course, they've been rebuilding. So you start trading away pieces. The next four weeks for me, even though we know it's going to be very, very tough situation this year, but if the next four weeks are bad, then then those who are thinking that we can start talking draft pick and bottom five, maybe... You know, maybe they're onto something. Yeah, take Montreal Canadiens out of the subject line here. You can insert any team. If you don't get off, if you get off to a great start to the season, it doesn't mean you're making the playoffs. You don't make the playoffs in the first month of the season, but you sure can miss them. Like, ask the Ottawa Senators last year. You know, they got off to a wretched start and never caught up. And it is impossible to play catch up in this league because the the minute that you go on a streak to kind of even it out, you're out of gas for the next segment of games, and all of a sudden you're behind the eight ball again. You're chasing it all year, and chasing mm-hmm. it in this league is a near impossible task with the parity that we see. Now, if you want to talk about the schedule as a factor and why the Canadians should be able to do better, yeah, um, you know, it's good for them in some ways, it's bad for them in others. Like four games through the first two weeks when this is the time where they're fresh and energized and healthier than they would be otherwise. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they lost in Toronto a nail-biting game, and Jonathan Kovacevic was saying to me, or Kovacevic, as he, by the way, confirmed that is, in fact, his name, but he doesn't have much confidence people would pronounce it properly. Kovacevic. He's okay with it being Kovacevic. Yes. Um, You know, he said, I wish we were playing the next night. That's how we kind of all felt about it. And now, you know, we've got this kind of schedule where Mm -hmm. it's good. We're getting a lot of practice time, and we have – good opportunities to be at home, which is great. But, you know, the players would be dying to have this type of schedule come December, January, where they've been on a run and playing Mm -hmm. three, four games every week. And all of a sudden they have a couple weeks that are lighter and get to catch their breath. You know, it's going to get condensed at some point real soon. So you can look at the pluses and the minuses. If you want to look at the teams coming in, I think that's a dangerous game considering that any team on any given night can beat anybody. We just saw Chicago beat Toronto 4-1 or 3-1. Um, you know, like this this league is a crapshoot. If you are not prepared to play and you take any game lightly, you are going to get your ass handed to you. And it, it happens to every team every season. And and I don't think anybody should be looking at the opponents of the Canadians and saying, well, the Canadians should take care of these guys because they're not very good, especially since, as you would concede, a lot of people in the fan base think they're going to be a bottom five or bottom ten team this year. So uh, like, all right. who, are they, who should they be favored against? Like, yeah, yeah. 
Joachim Fortane, by the way, uh, back at Master Control, is just spamming at this point. He says, my energy level was higher last week. Yeah, after their hockey game than it was tonight. Uh, they Did don't he just miss the smoke show? They, they, they don't play tonight. And we found out earlier today that Kirby Doc is out with a significant injury. And Eric, you reported it's likely ACL, MCL, rest of the season. Um, I was able to confirm what you're reporting. What do you want us to be full energy and get excited about exactly? Huh? What, 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 what do you want me to do? He must have, he must have missed the fire show what, before. What are we going to do? We're going to put a bounty on Jared Tenorti? What are we doing here? What are we doing? Okay, Eric, I'm going to leave you with this. Last no thing phone on, calls? La, Can we well, get anybody to call? Yeah, we can we can get anyone to call. Yeah. yeah, don't worry about that. One triple eight five eight five sick one triple eight five eight five seven four two five. You want to know why podcasts get less calls than you would find traditionally on, for example, radio? Do you know why? Please tell me. Because people watch the show on their phone. That's right. That's a, that's why it happens. That's exactly right. Yeah, but. Uh, lost in the shuffle in all this because everyone's talking about Kirby Doc. You hadn't thought about that one, eh? I, you know what? Yeah. You stumped me. Okay. Lost in the shuffle here. Did you notice how much ice time or lack thereof Brendan Gallagher got on Saturday night? Was he at 12 minutes? 10, 10. Yeah. Are you ready for the stat of the day? It's the least ice time Gallagher has got in a regular yeah. season game without getting injured since his rookie season. Well, he doesn't have a penalty-killing role, and they were on the penalty kill seven times in the game. That's true, too. That's true, too. That's why that happened. Yeah. And I'll bet you anything without even asking Gallagher or Marty St. Louis about it that Marty came up to him after and said, hey, like... I'm sorry I lost you here a little bit, but and I'll tell you something. Say what you want about Gallagher, him, Pearson, Monahan, they had a good night. They had a good game. Driven by Monahan for sure. Pearson had a nice goal. My God, Pearson's goal freaked me out. I didn't know he but had that Gall- in him. You know, I'm not gonna sit here and say that Gallagher was so much better than he was in Toronto, but he was definitely better. And so were the other two guys. And Monahan told Arpin that he had a bad game against Toronto. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think Pearson and Gallagher were both behind it, but they responded with a strong one against Chicago, and we'll we're, see what they bring against Minnesota. We're going to a call or two. If you want to stick around, we'll yeah, just, uh, okay, let's call it. Let's go old where school. Agnello and Sammy, you just tell me where we're going, and that's exactly where we're going to go. Once again, the number to call is one eight 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 five eight five seven four two five one eight 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 five eight five. 7425. When the, they change up the screen like that, I know that there are people on the line and we are going to get to them. So just let me know or just put them up. Oh, they're 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 setting up. Okay. They're setting up. I I I don't understand how long it takes to set up, but they're setting up. This is this is why they're you know what? They know how to do this. They, there's stuff behind the scenes. I don't know how to do. They know how to do it. Who's this? Hello? Yes, hello. Yeah, who is this? It's Claude from Longay. Hey, Claude, what's going on? Hey, last time we talked, you banned me for two weeks. So oh, really? <laughs> you're going to be nice to me this time. All right. So now, so are you saying that I wasn't nice? <laughs> yeah, you, you really like you. 
Oh, man, you burned me, man. It was like, all I did was question Martin St. Louis' decision. I like Marty St. Louis. And that's all you did, and I banned you? Yeah, you went wow. crazy. Now, when was this, Claude? Claude, when was this? This was like a month and a half ago. A month and a half ago. So, you know, I gave you a two-week suspension, and you called back a month and a half later. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, I got over it. So what's on your mind, Claude? Listen, what's on your mind? Listen, I didn't know whether I should call you or the suicide uh, watch number. No, 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 really? no, no. I just want to kill myself, Tony. Whoa! I've been a long-time fan. We finally had a team. I felt with Dak, okay. we were complete, you know? Claude, you know first things team? first, and I know that you're joking. It's not a funny joke, by the way. But anyway, I know that you're kind of like, here's the deal. It's just hockey, bro. It's just hockey. So don't ever let it get to the point where you're having thoughts because it's hockey. Now, you're probably being sarcastic. You're probably joking around. But I, I still want to preface that anyway. It's just hockey, right? Just in case you're saying and someone, it's just hockey, right? Secondly, yeah. if you ever need a friend, even though you ticked me off last time, I'm your guy. You call me. <laughs> you call me. Okay. All right. There have been plenty of Montreal Canadiens fans who wanted to be the first ones to throw themselves off the Pont Champlain, right? And I talked them out of it because we, my friends, are in a rebuild. There is a plan. And you got some very, very smart people executing it. And Jeff Gordon, Kent Hughes, stockbrokers, my friend. I think the Jacques Cartier is higher also. So Is the Jacques Cartier listen, higher, really? Listen, Tony. Yeah. I know about this big rebuild thing. Yeah. But between you and me. Yeah, you and me and the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are watching and listening. <laughs> okay, between you and me, all I can say is we felt, yeah, we heard rebuild, rebuild, whatever. But I really felt that if these guys stayed healthy with Monaghan and Dak, and I, and I remember thinking, if Monaghan and Dak stay healthy, we're going to make the playoffs. I understand that, but there's 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 a couple of things you need to consider. A, it's a contact sport, and injuries happen all the time. And B, very unfortunately for these players, they happen to be two very, very unlucky players because they have had their share of injuries and then some over the last three or four years. What else is on your mind? Claude, you have a question for Eric Engel? You need a question. Where's a question, Claude? Give him a question. You have a question for him, Claude. Okay, so what do we do now? Well, I mean, do we call up someone from Laval? Do we call up Joshua Roy or what? They're just going to go with what they have right now and see if Alex New can do the job. We, just, we were just talking about this for an hour, Claude. We were Where just talking you? about Claude, now you want to know why you get suspended because we were just talking about this. We played a clip. Oh, no. Here you go again. We, we played Jeez, a clip. Now, hold on a second. We played a clip of Marty St. Louis who said, he was asked if they were going to call up Yol Armia specifically, and he said, "No, we're just going to go with the twelve that we have here." Which, by the way, means... all kidding aside, all yeah. kidding aside, they, they like don't be surprised if for whatever reason they make a call up tomorrow. It could definitely happen. There's cap implications in terms of why they wouldn't do it today versus tomorrow. I'm not saying that it's going to happen, but you know, it could happen. Whether or not that player would be inserted to the lineup is a totally different story because I think. It's pretty. I, I'm I'm pretty confident that they're going to go with the 12 forwards that they have in Montreal, and they don't have to do anything because they're not going anywhere until but, they go but, to Buffalo for one. But a game. month and a half ago, Claude called. 
He was hammering Marty St. Louis. And now a month and a half later, he calls in and he asks if they're going to call up Joshua Roy because he voluntarily didn't want to hear Marty talking when Marty was explaining that they're going to go with the 12. So when Marty talks, closes his ears, but he doesn't want to know nothing. He doesn't want to know nothing. Okay, Tony, Tony. Okay. Thanks for calling, Claude. I, I feel I feel we got enough forwards and everything. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But what about defense? What because about it? I feel that we can score enough goals even without Zach. Yeah. But defensively, uh, there's a problem there. I, I just don't get it. But there's a there's, there's there's a problem. I mean, they finished fifth last in the National Hockey League last year. I would hope so. Is a problem. Christopher Columbus has Coberto America tonight. We gotta go, Claude. Thanks so much. Okay. I've been told that the lines okay. are blazing. Thanks, I've been told the lines are on fire. Let's go. Fuego. Keep where it to one question. Let's go. Let's go. Sammy, Let's go. one question. Sammy, where are we going? Now Eric's telling me what to do on my own show. We're going to Leo. In Montebello. Leo, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Tony? Very good. How are you? Good. Eric, Eric, I got to tell you something, okay? Like, I know you guys want to hear a question, and I got a question for you, Eric. But I got to tell you, man, you have become must-read for me every single freaking day on Sportsnet, and I love it. And I think you're doing a beautiful job. Thanks, Leo. You made Emily smile. She's sitting here listening. Wow. Good. Difference between okay, me and so Tony. The, the difference between oh, hey, no, me. Hey, hold on okay. a second. Hold on. Hold on. Right. The difference between me and Eric. He has the lovely Emily sitting beside him right now. It's eleven oh two, and instead of getting off of the podcast and attending to Emily, he wants to still take questions. Hey, she's she's multitasking. She's multitasking. She's doing work. She's listening. She's she's a huge Tony Marinaro fan. She, I can't she, keep her from listening. She's the best. Leo, tell me what's going on. What's your question, Leo? So I I, I okay. So I got I got a question. Yeah. Uh, and, and but first, I want to ask you, Tony, if you remember when when we talked one time, it was right after you left your previous life. It was the very next day. Yeah. And 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 you were you were you didn't even know what you were going to do. You were sort of lazing around on a beautiful day and you seemed full of life. And, and, and I'm glad that things are working out for you. I got a question for you, though. That's a little bit Tony odd because I knew about, exactly what I was huh? going to do. But yeah, no, no, it's OK. Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly so, what so, I was going to so, do. I mean, I left for a compliment. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Leo. OK, so so. Somebody, somebody, I don't know who it was, was talking about, you know, uh, uh, an offer sheet to P- uh, Pedersen uh, in, in Vancouver. Is, 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 is that something that, that, that Montreal might consider? No. I'm, I, I, if I'm, I'm checking right now. I think, is he not a UFA at the end of the year? Not sure. Well. I'll get the answer, Tony. If you want to tell him, yeah. But this 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 management team is not making offer sheets. It's not happening. No way. Eh? I don't see. He would fit right in that age group, wouldn't he? Though. Well, he'd fit right in that age group. He'd become, yeah. uh, you know, one of you know one of the best players on the team, if not the best. He's actually he's an RFA with Arbrights. Hmm. He's going to be a year away from UFA, which essentially makes him a UFA. Yeah, I don't, I don't see them throwing an offer sheet that way too. Look, the biggest thing with offer sheets here is even if you have the compensation available to you, you have to really, like you're doing the other team's work for them 
if you don't blow the player away with an offer of top tier, like a top tier player like Pedersen, you'd have to make the offer so ridiculous that Vancouver would rather take the compensation. And that then you end up overpaying the player and overpaying in terms of compensation with first, second, third round pick. Like it's just too much. Yeah. And it doesn't really make sense with the way the Canadians are structured and what they have going on for their future. So you'd have to give them over 10 million. I, and I don't even at that, that, if you give them 10, 3, 10, 4, 10, 5, Vancouver's matching. Not just that, like what, what, Ken, Ken what, Hughes. What, what did they offer? Uh, what did they offer the guy from Carolina again? It was a second tier offer. And they, they basically did Carolina's work for them because there was no way they were going to walk away from no, that contract no, no, for. I think it was. Down. I think it was give or take about eight and a half million dollars per season. <laughs> the other thing yeah, is, Ken Hughes. That was near and near enough. Ken Hughes has the right philosophy when it comes to. Now, Pedersen is a is a pending restricted free agent, but he'll be a year away from UFA. The mentality is: if you're going to throw big bucks at a player, you're getting the best of that player in the first three years of the deal, and if the Canadians aren't ready to contend you know, starting in one of those three, in the beginning of those three years, you're wasting a lot of money. Like, it's it doesn't really make sense. So you're not going to see that strategy kind of take shape right now for this team. It doesn't doesn't make sense. It's not within their structure. Appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Leo and Montebello. We, we got, well, Leo, we, I gotta, just got to say one thing. Matt, you just said three things. You got to say one now. Go ahead. Okay, okay. Just I'm just totally confident with this management group. Yeah. And I think like you guys, I'm 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 all on board and let's go. You know, Leo, you call anytime. Never been so like, positive. You call anytime. Yeah, man, Leo, thank you. At one triple eight five eight five six one triple eight five eight five seven four two five. Jose Ingatino. Don't look now, but I think it's Jose Levesque. Oh, it is. Salut Jose. Salut. Comment ça va, José? Ça va bien. Good. What's going on? What do you tell me, José? What do you talk? Talk to me. Talk to me. Oh, I miss you, Tony. And yeah, yeah. I'm glad Eric is there. Yeah. Eric is yeah, here. Yeah. Eric's here. He's sticking around. I, right now, he's looking and he's saying overtime, time and a half. Never. No, thank God. We got it on record. I I thought we were about to lose the company for a second there, Eric. You were making me sweat. <laughs> Jose, what's on your mind? So my question is for Eric. Um, Tampa Bay looks like they're in dire need of a goalie. Do you think Kent Hughes will make a move there? It's it's a good question. I, I'm sure Kent Hughes will explore the opportunity to make a move there. I think a lot of teams that have kind of an extra player at the position will be talking to Tampa Bay. And if they're not, I think Julian Breezeball will be making calls. Um, how urgently they need to make a move, I'm not sure they feel that it's as urgent as you just presented it. Um, you know, they've they've the kid that they threw in there for the first game and the name's for whatever reason, escaping my brain at the moment. Was it uh, Johansson? Anyways, he, he looked pretty good. I haven't had an opportunity to see Tampa play since, so I can't comment on their goaltending. It's a long road to wait for Vasilevsky to come back, but Tampa's also not in a cap situation where they could just take anybody, and they have to deem that whoever they are taking in a trade 
uh, it would be better than what they currently have. And I don't know if they could guarantee themselves that with, say, Caden Primo, uh, even if they believe in the player. There's just not much of a tr- proven track record there. And, you know, Jake Allen is at $3.8 million this year and next year. So it, it's just, you know, you're talking about a team that right now doesn't have a contract for its captain and, and a player that wants to be there for the entirety of his career they can't afford to spend money at that position right now. So I'm not sure what they're going to do. I think I think logic would dictate they're going to ride it out. Um, I don't think they're going to throw the season away, though, if all of a sudden the goaltending fails to to the level that they can't do anything. So it's a, it's a very good question. And yeah. I'm sure Kent is exploring different options because I don't think he has any ambition of having three goaltenders in Montreal for the entire season. Yeah, that Tampa Bay goalie, uh, Eric, almost has the best name in hockey, right? It's Jonas Johansson. That's what I thought. It was Johansson. Okay. Would have been amazing if it would have been Johan Johansson. But it's (laughs) It's a very good question, by the way. Yes, it is. But, you know, the Canadians are a couple of games into the season. You would think that, you know, they want to try to make the playoffs, but it's not going to. Are they going to help a team out in their division that is in trouble for the next four to six weeks because they lost their goalie by doing so? I don't. I don't think they would. They would. You know. But at the same time, in my opinion, in an ideal situation, I think Jake Jake Allen's contract would be somewhere else, and the Canadians would have two young goalies, and they wouldn't have to worry now about Primo and losing him at any point because you have two young goalies battling it out. At this stage of where they are in their rebuild, I think they would want that. But you know what? Only they know. Uh, a couple more calls. Let's take two more. Where are we going exactly? We are going to... Sammy, just put them up. Hello, who's this? Is it Vito? Yeah. Vito. Tony. Vito V. Tony Marinaro. Vito V. So you have to give us a little spruits, please. Vito V <laughs> from Virgin Radio. Thank you, Tony. Who every oh, night that he's on, time. every night that he's on, is on fire. Look, on fire. The, Amen. He's on fire. Look at the walls. The walls are on fire. <laughs> One of my favorite people that worked in that building. Oh, my God, Tony, I think I see the most. Uh, thank you, Tony. Appreciate it, gentlemen. Quick question. Listen, I need to know something. How long, like, two questions. First of all, which position are we the weakest in? And second of all, what's the end game here? Do we have to lose for another three seasons before we actually have a shot at a cup? Are we even close to talking about cups? Or are we doing all of this just to have an okay team that maybe gets somewhere? Eric, Thank I'll tackle one, you tackle the other. No, stick stick All around, right. Vito. Don't go anywhere. Hold on a second. I'll tackle the position in which they're the weakest. Okay. And then you tackle how long it's going to be before they start being very competitive. Right now, their position of weakness compared to the goaltending. Really? Well, don't you find that of goaltending, defense, and forwards, that of those three categories... It's goaltending that they need the most help in, don't you find? You're, you're, if you're asking me, I, I'd say no. But again, I, there's a reason why I'm a DJ and I don't talk about hockey for a living. Wait, we are asking you. What are you saying? <laughs> I, 
I, I think Motembo is good, but again, I'm not an expert on this. I, I think the guy's good. I think he's better than Jake Allen. Yeah, but answer your own question. What's 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 the position of weakness? I, I'd say we, we need a we need a superstar first line in the center. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, listen. I'm going to answer your second question, but and very quickly on your first one. I I think probably. Tony is correct. You know, if you're going to be a contending team down the line, you're going to need something better in Nets than what they currently have. Um, but I also think that to 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 respond to what you just said, I think they're fine with Suzuki and Doc once he gets healthy up the middle and what they can continue to build up there as they move forward in terms of top two centers on your team. I said this on your podcast, I think, a week ago. The, the minute this thing is really going to turn is when they get another player who could scare, score at near the same level as Cole Caulfield. And maybe they have him internally right now, but he's not ready to be that player yet. But if they get another player who can score 35, 40 goals and like really be a scoring threat on a second line with Doc, then all of a sudden this thing is going to change. And And to answer your question in terms of how long it's going to be before it does, yeah. Like, what Marty St. Louis is doing with the Canadians is building up a team game so that when they inevitably do procure that type of elite talent, and they absolutely will mm-hmm. for multiple reasons because they have the assets within their within their cupboards to be able to go out and get one if they can't draft one. Like, no matter where they land in the draft positioning yeah. this year, yeah. they still have the assets to be able to trade for the type of player that I'm talking about that will help, help them change it. Yeah. But... You could be a team like Chicago and have mm-hmm. Connor Bedard, or you could be a team like Montreal that's building up an actual team game so that when you get a player that is like that, you can actually win and have a team that sustains a winning kind of environment and culture and and be able to contend year over year. Yeah. That's what the Canadians are building. And I don't think you're going to have to wait three years to see it, but it's going to be a gradual process until you do see it. And I think it's going to be that they will be more competitive this year. Even with Doc injured, they will be more competitive this year than they were last year. And then the following year, they should be a team that you look at and say, okay, a couple of moves happen in the offseason, and this team could actually really knock on the door of the playoffs. And then one more year, you might be saying, you know what? They made the big moves, and they made the big swings, and they're ready to go after it. All right. Uh, Vito, before I let you go, I want to explain to you why I think they need more help at goaltending than they actually do at the forward position or at the center position. Because I said, out of all three categories, goaltending, defense, and forwards, I think they need more help at goaltending. I think that's their weakest point. And you said, I'm sorry, they need a number one centerman. I need you to think about this for a second. Nick Suzuki last year picked up 26 goals and 66 points. Not every player in the league produces like McDavid. Not every player in the league produces like he did that with he did that with Yalona and Harvey Pinard as line mates for half the year. So not every player in the league produces like McDavid or McKinnon or Drysidle, but I think Austin Matthews last year had something like eighty-five points. Okay, so if let's just say a point per game is where we really start talking, because please keep in mind that the great Patrice Bergeron, and he was great. Never center of an era. Never picked up more than 79 points in a season. Okay. 
So if we measure Suzuki to hit 82 points, he had 26 goals and 66 points. Now, Montembeau. Montembeau's stats last year, 16 wins out of 40 starts. 342 goals against average. 901. 901 save percentage. So I believe that Suzuki is closer to a number one centerman in the National Hockey League, not named McDavid, Dreisaitl, or McKinnon, than Montembeau is closer to other number one goaltenders in the National Hockey League. Can't argue with that. Makes a lot of sense, Tony. Makes a lot of sense. I, I understand exactly what you're saying. You know, we're going to do this, yeah. you and I. We're going to continue. Vito's a beauty, this. by the way. This is a great call. This He's is, by, by the way, I attended Vito's wedding on August 19th. It's wow. one of the best weddings I've ever been at in a very, very long time. I have never seen a groom have a smile on his face from start to finish and not miss one dance and bring so much energy to the room. That's what Vito V did. Hey, listen. Now, now, at the You're same always time, supposed to smile at the wedding. You got to keep smiling throughout the marriage. Now, That's at the, the same time, if I would bring a picture of his lovely wife up on the screen right now, you would understand why Vito was smiling from the beginning of the night to the end of the night because he was probably saying, I don't know how I pulled this off, but I did it. it I did exactly it. exactly what happened, Tony. <laughs> he pulled it off. We're going to continue to do Vito, this, Vito. Vito, we're going to continue to do this. Thank you, guys. Take care. You're the best. Well, keep it up. Thank you. Very hey, much. when you want to talk Montreal Canadiens, you keep calling me. And when I want to talk music, I'll keep calling you. You're the best, Tony. Vito. Eric. Have a good one, guys. Take Vito, care. who's better than you, Vito? Vito, who's better than you? you. Nobody. You. Ciao. You're, you're probably right. Ciao, Vito. Bye-bye. What a beauty. That's it. One more. We, you know what? We should have ended on that note. No, no. But the Agnello, one's gonna Agnello who doesn't have a knack for these things, right? Agnello's saying one more. We're going here. We're going there. We're going everywhere. You're supposed to end on a high. How much higher no. can you go than Vito V? I hope to, I hope whoever it is on the other side of this line pulls it off right now. I want the energy and like the best question I've ever heard. Jeff and Coach St. Luke, my friend, you're gonna have to bring it like you've never brought it before. What's going on? Okay, my uh, my name is uh, Jeffrey uh, from Coach St. Luke and the men's club. Uh, to both of you say hi. Thank Hello. you. Uh, Mike, you're welcome. My questions or couple points are: Is this? With the injury now to Doc, uh, and until until the Habs makes you know find it everything, it'll be on long term IR. I'm I'm pretty sure if he's going to be missing either all the season. Points A, what happens? Uh, let's say if they run into other injuries, ha- carrying three goaltenders, and the point of having three is. They did want to run into an injury if, like, like Allen has been the last couple of years, and then if you would put somebody, have to put somebody on on waivers. What do you do in in the meantime? And my other question is: This is more for for the cap. Maybe one or both of you have the answer. When the when Canadians got down to the twenty three man roster, they were put a couple of players in Lavelle. They were like either just under or over. Four million dollars, and the long-term cap hit from um, what's his name, Dvorak, uh, covered covered, and then you put Carey Price. So now you're like like ten point eight million dollars and whatever over the cap. What's going to happen? You, but but Jeff, but you, Jeff, you had one task. 
you had one task. You had to beat Vito V in the energy department and ask and, a good and, question. And you bambalized everyone with cap numbers, long-term injury reserve. What, why does long-term injury reserve matter for a team that finished fifth last last year? <laughs> no one in the world has predicted they're going to make the playoffs this year. And after game two of their season, we find out that their number two centerman, who a lot of people think is the number we, one centerman, the big one guy, is out for the season. Can we give him a redo, Jeff? Can, can you can you can you just okay, okay. can you give us a question that people Here's no one wants to talk about the cap, Jeff? I no one. To run into what we had last year. So what I'm what I'm saying is, with now him going down a long term IR, does that take money off the cap somehow? So no, they, so they could do something. They, they they have plenty of room. Even if Doc had remained healthy, they had plenty of room uh, to exceed. The salary cap because Carey Price is ten point five million dollars is sitting. It still counts. See, this is why we shouldn't talk about this shit because it's so boring. But Carey Price, when a player goes this on long term IR, this is why Agnello has to filter the calls. You're telling <laughs> Jeff has one job. Agnello has one job. One. Hello. Okay. This is very simply, talk. Jeff. Yeah, very simply. This? What do you want to talk to Tony about? You write it down. Very simply. And then you go in order of who you think. I did not mean to 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 insult both of you. No, no, you didn't insult. We us. love you. You're playing around. Get to get angry. Angry. I mean, I, I mean, you're both unbelievable gentlemen, and I read your story today, uh, Mr. Jeff. We're playing around. We're Jeff, playing around. We're playing around, Jeff. We but I want to give you an answer. I'm going to give you an answer. When a player goes on long-term IR, their money still counts against the cap. The thing that you can that. do, the thing that you can do, do, is exceed the salary cap by the amount of their salary, so long as they do not return during the season. The Canadians have okay. so much room because of the players they have on long-term IR. Like, let's face it. Gary Price is not going to play. That's $10.5 million. Uh, they have Chris Weidman, uh, who honestly is a long shot to play. Uh, that's another however many hundreds of thousands of dollars or close to a million dollars. And Christian Dvorak is going to come back, so that money will come off long term. Six, seven thousand change. Yeah. So, again, are you, are you asking if they're going to pull off some crazy move and take on a player who makes $14 million? No, no, they they don't have a reason to do that. So no, the the the, the big the big question is now that they're carrying three goalies. Yes, if they run if they run into a couple more injuries, not necessarily long term, but it, there'll be more than three games, but under ten. Okay, how do you save, let's say, one of the three three goalies without putting them on on um, uh, barring injury to them, putting them on something so you don't lose them in the waiver to a team that needs them let's say like well if you lose a goal if you lose a goalie to injury then you're only down to two goalies so i, I don't i don't understand jeff no no no, no. you were great I, I, you were jeff, great for calling jeff, jeff we got it i want a yellow fire jeff thank you very much your call <laughs> anytime going forward when the show is over and we'll be happy uh, I, I want Agnello fired. I want him fired immediately. Either that or I want him reassigned to another position because this job of filtering the calls, obviously, I never gave him the course. Th this is the way it works. Hello? Tony, I, I, stayed on, yeah. I stayed on an extra half an hour with you. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you know what? I'm not regretful that I did. I'm, I'm well, happy people called and engaged with I, us. I, I and we're all very friendly, including Jeff. Jeff, we gave yeah. you a hard time. We no, no. appreciate you listening. Yeah, no, You're I, just we'll, messing we'll, around. Yeah, well, we're having fun. We'll come by the club anytime, by the way. Anytime we'll come by the club. But you know what? In life, there are learning lessons, right? There are moments. There are teaching I, lessons. I personally like lessons. to call them yeah. just lessons. Yes, I, I don't yes. know why we put learning Agnello, in front of that Agnello, Agnello has to understand that when you get to the phone calls, you say, Hello, who's this? Hi, it's Jeff. Jeff, where are you calling from exactly? I'm calling from Coach St. Luke. Jeff, what do you want to talk about tonight? Oh, I want to talk about cap ramifications and LTIR. So then Agnello writes it's down on Agnello. his list. Is Agnello even going to defend Agnello himself down on, on his list? On? In order of importance of the calls, who he thinks can bring it the most, and that's who we go to. And then he has to type, he has to chat, and tell me who we should go to, who we shouldn't go to, who how we should end the show. I had Vito V from Virgin Radio. This guy is one of the best DJs in the city. He's one of the best DJs in the province. He's one of the best DJs in the country. Do you know how many people have been on the same show, on the same night, on the same platform, in the same city as Tiesto? Only select few. Get him, Do you want to know, know why? Because Tiesto chooses who he works with and when vito v is working with testo it's because vito v is great at what he does and when someone like that takes the time to call the sick podcast with tony marinero with eric engels for sportsnet at sportsnet.ca on at the same time this is the way you go out but look at him he's laughing he's he's got nothing else to do He's Eric, there like a lump on a log. What are you laughing about exactly? I want to ask Eric a serious question. Yeah, you want to ask. You better not ask me a question. Eric, are you available to work every night, Monday to Friday? <laughs> <laughs> no, Agnello. He's not interested in going from 300000 to 30000 You're going to pay for my trip to Italy next summer. Yeah. There you go. See? Yeah. Well, if he, he pays you the way he, pay, he pays me in gift certificates. <laughs> Great show, great show, so lucky. Excellent. Yeah, great show. Yeah, yeah, excellent show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, why don't you take the credit for it, Agnello? <laughs> he's all up. He's all, he's all, he's all. Said, I would really like to ask Eric a question. I said, no. Yeah, problem. yeah, that's it. That's it. Agnello's laughing. No kidding. He's got 17 podcasts in North America, and I'm here working overtime. It's an hour and a half, and, he, and, 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 and I'm talking about LTIR on a team that's not going to make the playoffs, who just lost Kirby Doc and cap ramifications. Tony. Even Gary Price's name came up. Tony. Gary Price's name came up. Yes, sir. Tony, light the light the wall on fire and get into the hot tub. Okay? Hey, you know what? You know what? I, I I'm fuming right now because I I think he ruined the end of my show. I'm and he's laughing. Look look look! look yeah. I, I, I I'm changing color. Okay. Yeah. On this note, Eric Engels, thank you very much. You did a great job tonight. Very much appreciate you sticking with me for as long as you did. Thank you very much. And uh, that's it. To you, my sick army. To you, my sick community. Thank you very much. On behalf of Agnello, I apologize. He's learning. <laughs> He's learning. All right. Finally, hey, Emily. Finally, Emily could go to sleep. Jeez. Uh, yeah, Emily can go to sleep, and so can you. Thank you, Eric. We'll talk to you soon. Ciao. But I want to, uh, in ending, I want to talk about Cure SMA Canada, if I can. Uh, Cure SMA Canada is a foundation that's very near and dear to my heart because, of course, when Sammy. Uh, and let's bring up Sammy if we can in yellow. When Sammy was nine months old, Sammy was diagnosed with spinal muscular atrophy. Uh, and yellow and his wife Rosa were uh, given 
uh, were given the bad news or they were told that Sammy wasn't going to make it to the age of two. And uh, Sammy is, is he now 23? Yep, 23. Sammy is 23 years old and turned it in the uh, sometime in the month of August. He turned 23. I believe it was mid-August. He turned 23 years old. So obviously Sammy has um, uh, defeated all odds. And, uh, and uh, he's a fighter. And um, so the foundation, uh, Cure SMA, is um, Cure Spinal Muscular Atrophy. And so this foundation is a foundation that uh, we are going to support. And uh, we're going to try and raise funds. And we're going to do it in various ways. And Agnello asked me what our goal is. And I said, Agnello, why don't we start with $50,000? And he looked at me and he said, are you serious? And I said, yes. So here we are. We're starting with $50,000. And if you'd like to contribute the families of SMA, Agnello, can you say something about the foundation, something about the charity? Because when people donate and there are so many great charities that are out there, they want to know exactly where the funds are going what can you tell us a lot of the uh, a lot of the funds go straight to research we've been lucky enough since we started there was no no cure no treatment nothing since we started about i don't know 18 19 years ago 20 years ago sorry not as a couple of treatments so we've raised as a family over two million dollars that went straight to research so we since covid things have slowed down now we're trying to pick it back up again you and your immediate family are responsible for raising over two million dollars million dollars yeah and you've been at it for about over 20 years now, right? Yep. That's that's a pretty good number. So we're gonna we're gonna shoot for fifty thousand uh in the uh in the description link. Yeah, there's in a, the description. It's a link, yep, but it'll be out in the email they get every morning as well. So we're gonna be doing a lot of small events that people can attend. They get to meet you, they get to meet Sammy. Yeah, we're gonna have fun events while raising money at the same time. Uh speaking of which, by the way, for those who want to meet us, and this is something completely separate, completely separate. Uh, we are going to be at the IGA on De Laurent in Laval. Agnello, myself, and Sammy. We're going to be there to celebrate, of course, the start of the hockey season that started uh, back in, uh, what was it? Uh, it was about uh, six days ago. And La Bitta TV, the SICK Podcast, and IGA Extra uh, are bringing you this opportunity to meet all of us. And, of course, La Bitta TV is going to be there. And there's going to be some beer tasting and it's going to be on the shelves and we're going to be promoting it. And it'll give us an opportunity to meet you, to shake your hand, to take some pictures, to say hello. I know we were at IGA Extra on the Salaberry in DDO a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it was a huge hit. A lot of people came out. There you go. Look at this. Huh? Huh? More pictures that we'll bring up. Look at that. There we go was a lot of fun, and uh, we uh, we hope to see you again on Saturday. Until then, I'll be back tomorrow night, same time, same place. Tomorrow, it's the Montreal Canadiens versus the Minnesota Wild. Game time, 7 p.m. Following the game, at 10 p.m., I'll be back with the SICK Podcast. Joining me, former NHLer, Philippe Boucher. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you very much for listening. I love you all. For Agnello and Sammy, I'm Master Control. They're Cavallaro. I'm Marinero. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time.
Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.